0: Welcome on in. It is Overtime with Jonathan Pino. I'm glad you guys could be with me here on this Friday. <laughs> Nearly as excited for the fan anniversary as James is, I guess. I, it, listen, I love any time anyone wants to throw that. I just don't know how many times he's going to do it tonight. If it's every 20 minutes, I'm going to have to put a veto on that. Maybe we'll do, a, we'll do a once every two hours. You get to do the Jeff Phelps disappears and then reappears Happy anniversary with the music in the background. maybe every two hours. so nine o'clock you can do it again, maybe 11 o'clock you can do it again and then if we're feeling if you're feeling frisky with it because it's a Friday, maybe also 1140 because you clear, you spend some time on it and that's all right. but anyway, I feel good. Happy anniversary to everyone out there for those that are unaware. It is our 12th anniversary for the station. I always feel funny about the anniversary with the station because I've been here seven years, which if you guys do math, that is more years than not, right? I, I've been here for more years than not, but it is always weird because there's definitely like an old guard within this station and the people that like were here in the very, very beginning and they're very, they should be, they're very proud of it. They, I mean, let's be honest. They're the reason why I wanted to come here. Andy Roth is the main reason why I wanted to come here. And then the reputation built off 92.3 the fan is the other reason I like now, like, I can't be ignorant of that. There were people that came before me that built this station up to the heights where I got to come here, and obviously there was still building that had to be done, but everyone was in a pretty good spot when I came here. It's like I I just got thrown into the lineup with the 27 Yankees. But, to be fair, you can get thrown into the lineup with the 27 Yankees and then watch that lineup absolutely tank. And for seven years, we've not only gone higher, we've gone higher than I think anyone in that room when they initially set off, thought this station could ever go. I wish, wish you guys could see some of the ratings from the previous books that we've had, the previous year's worth of books. Hell, even the summer books, because you guys would be like, that's incredible. For local talk radio and what this station's able to do, unreal. So yeah, it's weird. It's a weird day for me, because there's a lot of me that wants to take an extreme amount of pride in that, because I've been a big part of the previous seven years, and I know that, but I also understand that, There's a lot of people that laid a lot of groundwork in order for us to get there. What I love about this station is that it's one of the few radio stations across the country that you can look around and and see something like you saw earlier today, and you can see more people that were here for the start of the station than aren't at the start of the station. And that's an incredible thing, all things considered. That doesn't happen in radio. It just doesn't happen in radio. I think I said this when I got the night show. One of the things I, I put out was just how wonderful this station is and how talented this station is. But it's also one of the rare stations across the country where you can have so many hosts that be there from day one. Fast forward 12 years later. I Think about Baskin and Phelps for a second. Baskin and Phelps has been doing this for 12 years 12 years in sports radio is unheard of to have the same duo, the same crew, the same. I mean, they've changed out pieces, obviously. But them being the focal point of that in the middays for 12 years just doesn't happen in radio. Hey, You get it once every blue moon. And the fact that they've been able to do that, you've had a lot of the same guys. Lima, Ken, Nick obviously went to uh, you know Charlotte, but he's been here for more years than not. And then Dustin, obviously, from day one as well. And then you go to Keith and Andy and all these other guys. I'm not even getting to the sales staff. I'm not getting to, you know, Herschel, who was here for a very, very long time, obviously. All of these people that have just been such a, an instrumental part of making this station what it is. So it's a beautiful thing. It's an absolutely beautiful thing. And I'm happy to be here with you guys on 92.3 The Fan Day across the city of Cleveland. I always knew part of why, you know, Justin Bibb and, my, and me, we go way back. I ever told you guys, I never told you this story. I've told you the story on air before about me running into Justin Bibb. It was a Machine Gun Kelly party, and it was like me and 30 other people, and we're all drinking, and Machine Gun Kelly's there, and I drunkenly went up to Machine Gun Kelly, and I had nothing else to say, and I'm like, hey, we share the same birthday. And he thought that was awesome. He loved that. Don't know why. I think he had a little bit to drink, too, but he loved it. And I'm sitting there, and I, you know, I'm going around, and at that point I've met Justin Bibb a couple times. I came up to Justin Bibb, and I go, I go, man, my drunken self, I go, man, you're going to be president in 30 years. And I'll never forget him being, like, insulted that I said 30 years and not, like, 15. But, but, like, right then, I knew he was a real one. Knew he was a real one, and then, obviously, we talk about everything. It, no surprise, based off of the conversation we had, that he'd be the mayor to go ahead and announce this as 92.3 The Fan Day across this great city of Cleveland. I love it. Love it. I, I, now, somebody's going to have to send me the photo of the Terminal Tower lit up in orange. Someone's going to have to send that to me, at JP, and how we do that. And our Twitter slash X reactions are brought to you by our friends at Shub and Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. Please send it to me because I'm I'm here. I'm here talking to you guys, so I'm not going to be able to take a photo of it. But when I lived downtown, for the first six years of me living in Cleveland, when I lived downtown, I used to love daily seeing, seeing what they would light up the, the tower for because... From my apartment, I could see the Terminal Tower, and so every single night, I would see different, I would see it lit up in different ways, and then I'd go and I'd check the Twitter account, and I would see why it's lit up, and and the fact that tonight it's lit up for 92.3 The Fan is just a really cool thing. It's just a really cool thing to me, and that's part of the fact, because I live downtown, and so I had such a a close association to the building be lit, lit up, and Watching it every day, but obviously it just ties everything together for me. And now we've seen, at this point, I'm out in the suburbs. And uh, it's a completely different life for me, but it is what it is. Either way, incredibly proud of everyone at the radio station. Incredibly proud of the day. Incredibly proud that you guys could be with here with me here on this Friday night. Let's get things underway. I didn't even get to the the, the havoc that was my car ride home last night. We'll do that a little bit later on. Jax and I out here making making brave stupid decisions. At least I'm making brave, stupid decisions. I don't know about Jax. So we'll get to that a little bit later on. What I want to start with you guys is it's, it's been an odd day in general. You know, we, we've been talking about the preseason game, and we've been trying to get people hyped up for this preseason game, and I'm being honest, people talked about the preseason like it mattered, and now on the eve of the most amount of reps that we're going to see from Deshaun and the first team and the biggest glimpse into the first team offense that we'll have, it is the quietest people have been. I don't know if it's because this is now our fourth preseason game. or kicking it old school when they used to do four. But you throw the Hall of Fame game in there, this is our fourth preseason game. And I don't know if people are just exhausted with preseason football. I'll be honest, I am a little bit. A little bit. Oddly enough, I think this past week I watched more preseason football than I had in the previous two weeks combined, though. I watched that Ravens game as their win streak got snapped. I watched Kenny Pickett last night because we talked about Kenny Pickett last night. I watched a decent amount of preseason football this week. but I can't figure out when it comes to Deshaun Watson tomorrow. excuse me, what exactly you guys need to see. Do you have confidence in the offense now? When it comes to Deshaun, do you need to see something in particular? Because at some point in the previous, I don't know, week, week and a half, the light bulb went off for me. It was really, you know what it was? I think it was after that second game which was really the third game they played, but it was the game against the Eagles. And it was the first game that you you saw, or excuse me, not the Eagles, the one before that. The first game you saw Deshaun Watson play. I'm getting my preseason games all thrown around now, aren't I? When you watched him complete three passes for a total of 11 yards, and you watched him just look calm in the pocket. He ran for 20 in that game. He looked poised. He looked like he knew what he was doing. And he looked like he had a sense of reassurance. That's all I needed to see. I didn't need to see him bomb it 25 yards down the field. I didn't need to see him throw it 40 yards down the field. I didn't need to see him mix it up with Elijah Moore, Tillman, anyone else you needed. I just, what it was is what it was. For 11 passing yards on three receptions, and I was like, okay, he looks good to me. I don't need to see Deshaun Watson be awesome tomorrow to have what I believe to be true already stuck in my brain, which is the Browns are going to be really good this year. And Deshaun Watson's going to be really good as well. There's not a thing he can do tomorrow, good or bad, that is going to skew that. Now, I do buy the idea you'd rather see him be good than rather see him be bad. I can buy into that. Sure. Why not? But it's not going to make or break me. I don't think I need to see much, if I'm being honest. I wish I could tell you I was dissecting this like Zapruder film. I'm just not as concerned with what happens tomorrow. Weeks ago, I might have felt different. I, I felt confident in Deshaun and, and where this offense has gotten. And right now, I feel that confidence. But there, there are things I need to see. Let's not get this mistaken. It'd be nice to see our secondary not looking like a bunch of Jax Gregory stumbling out of the bar in circles. All right? Against Mahomes, that would be good we'll talk about York a little bit more later on. There are things I want to see in this game. But I'm shockingly calm when it comes to the passing game for tomorrow. If he lights it up, great. If he doesn't, it is what it is. Preseason football feels like the upside down sometimes. Kenny Pickett is apparently a baller. Backups look like Mahomes. Okay, fine. I think I'm just over it all. It might just be that we've done nearly a month of it, and I'm just over it. But this will be by far the most we've seen the Browns' first team offense play. And I'm excited to watch it but I think the hay might be in the barn, and I'm satisfied. The question marks attached to this offense, they just no longer exist for me. I think Watson has it figured out. I think Stefanski knows what to do with Watson, and honestly, I wish tomorrow they were kicking off against the Bengals in week one instead. You might ask yourself something like, hey, Jonathan, where where does this confidence come from? How all of a sudden do you have so much confidence in this team? It's always been there. I've been saying it for months. Someone didn't just yesterday put a battery pack in my back and get me all charged up. We've been this way for longer than a hot minute. I've always believed in the Deshaun Watson offense for this year. When Ken was saying 10 wins a couple months ago, I was telling all you guys 11 wins, okay? Now, we need both sides of the ball to be really good. I'm not denying that. I've said at times I think both sides of the ball need to be top eight. Bills, for instance, Bills have had a top three scoring offense and defense in each of the past two seasons. They've won a lot of regular season games, but that's about it. With how tough the AFC is, I'd be all right if we just won a bunch of regular season games and showed that we can beat some good teams, and you grow from there. But this is a win-now roster. We can have higher dreams than that for sure. But when it comes to tomorrow, there's not a thing Deshaun Watson can show me. I think right now I think I'm, I'm set with what he's going to be in week one of the season. He has shown me through what we've seen through training camp, what we've seen through the limited time that he's been out there, and just hearing him talk, and I don't take his word as gospel, but just hearing him talk, we've seen someone that I do believe has his head cleared, has been focused on football for the previous six months, has put everything else behind him, and is ready to be the old Deshaun Watson. I just don't buy into this boogeyman theory that 700 days off can all of a sudden kill you. It didn't kill Michael Vick. It doesn't murder guys' careers. It just doesn't. You get a chance to recover. You do. And I feel like with Deshaun Watson, I don't know why he wouldn't fall into his old self. Yesterday, for instance, I was comparing, uh, you know, who's got more to prove, him or Lamar Jackson. Like, well, all right, Lamar Jackson, I don't know if he can be a a 5,000-yard passer like he claims to be. I don't know if he can be a 4,500-yard passer. I've never seen him do it. It's like, uh, you know, I've seen Rory McIlroy hit 330-yard bombs off the tee. I'll bet on that. But you want to tell me you're going to throw me out there? I've never seen myself hit 330 yards. I don't know that I can do it. I don't know that Lamar Jackson can throw for 4,500 yards. I know Deshaun Watson can. I've seen him do it. I'm betting on what I've seen with my own two eyes in previous and then, what I've seen this offseason, day in, day out, that tells me Deshaun Watson's going to be good. Not a doubt in my mind there. It's the other parts of the Browns we get to have discussions on. But within the offense and for tomorrow, I'll ask you guys 216474 to below 92. Maybe I'm just too confident. But what do you need to see from Deshaun Watson tomorrow to give you the confidence that I currently have? We'll do it all next. Hit me up on Twitter. There you can find me. I am at J. Peterwin. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterwin here with you. On the fan, <laughs> great call by James. We got to react to the breaking news. We will in a second. I go, James. What do you think? J O okay? K. Good singer, bad singer. I'll take DeMarcus Ware. Well, call back to when we just roasted DeMarcus Ware at the Hall of Fame game in his attempt to sing the national anthem. In one of the more audacious moves I've, I think I've ever seen in my life. Like ah, I'm getting inducted in the Hall of Fame, so I'm gonna do the. I'm gonna sing the national anthem. Before I get inducted, and you guys are just going to hear it. And then he came out and was just just awful. There's so many different reasons. Just so bad. All right, big news. Adam Schefter, 49ers sending their former number three overall pick, Trey Lance of the Dallas Cowboys, for a mid-round pick. Lance now gets a fresh start in Dallas, which is not really a fresh start. I have a million thoughts, and I'm, I, my mind right now is racing as to which direction I want to go first. Because I always think Browns first. I'll give you the Browns angle on this one to begin with, okay? As it relates to the Browns, I don't know how the Browns were able to just send Josh Dobbs to Arizona for a fifth rounder if Trey Lance could be had for a mid-round pick. Now, I know Arizona doesn't want to give up like a third or a fourth or whatever this ends up being because ultimately what they're trying to do is suck enough so that they can land Caleb Williams the number one overall pick. That's all they're trying to do. And really, Josh Dobbs is just bidding his time until Kyler Murray gets back there, but we'll see what actually happens in that regard. Trey Lance would have been able to play immediately, though. Immediately. Maybe they were worried Trey Lance would be good. Maybe that's the concern. I'm not entirely sure. I don't believe, though... It's where we get a little spicy on you guys here. I don't believe that this was a failure by San Francisco the same way a lot of people think that it was a failure by San Francisco. Who cares how you... Make the meal as long as the meal gets made, right? Who cares how you get your franchise quarterback as long as you get your franchise quarterback? If you're the 49ers, why am I concerned with everyone saying, we blew this pick, we, we, we absolutely uh, you know bungled it a million different ways? Why, why would I think that way? Brock Purdy is my quarterback. If I'm San Francisco, I got the guy I wanted the entire time. I just didn't know his name was Brock Purdy. When they drafted Trey Lance, they knew he had limited high school experience, limited college experience, and they knew he was going to be a little bit of a roll of the dice and way more than what a third overall pick should be for being a roll of the dice. He's very raw. A lot of good talent in there, but very, very raw. But What was shocking about the pick in general was that San Francisco has such a win-now team. Top eight in offense and defense last year. They're very, very talented. Both sides of the ball. They got skill position players up the wazoo. They're a really good football team. Drafting someone that was going to have to take a Josh Allen-esque approach to the NFL never made sense in my mind. Didn't add up to me in the slightest bit. Still doesn't add up to me. You know, Josh Allen, when he was taken, everyone knew he needed years. Anthony Richardson, same type of story. But Josh Allen took two years. Year three, he popped off. Anthony Richardson's going to take a couple years. Extremely raw out of Florida. Did not play a ton. uh, Completion percentage in the 50s. But it's just an extremely talented athlete. Broke combine records for the vertical. All these other type of things. He's a very good football player. He's very raw. Trey Lance was always going to be raw. And the part that the 49ers were blindsided by all this. That is where the incompetence comes through. But... I don't know why I'm going to sit here or why I would sit here and just bash San Francisco until the cows come home. They got their quarterback, did they not? If the whole name of the game is get your quarterback, they got their quarterback. Let's take it a step further. Oh, you guys are really going to hate this one, but I'm going to have to go ahead and do it, okay? Browns obviously gave Deshaun Watson four years, $230 million in guaranteed money. If Dorian Thompson Robinson... Steps in for Deshaun Watson. Let's say week six or week seven, Deshaun Watson gets injured. And Dorian Thompson Robinson not only takes over for the Browns, but leads the Browns to an undefeated rest of the season, because that's what Brock Purdy did. You're like, oh, it's impossible. Brock Purdy went 8-0. Leads him all the way to the AFC title game before getting injured, and then losing that game to, I don't know, take your pick, Chiefs, Bengals, whoever it is. If Dorian Thompson Robinson did all of that, and the Browns wanted to move forward with him as quarterback, who in the hell cares that they're still spending $60 million a year, $50 million a year on Deshaun Watson? Isn't the whole point of the game, it's not how I make the meal, it's how the meal comes out. The whole point of the game, how do I get my franchise quarterback? Isn't that it? That's all we're searching for in life, right? Is, is from an NFL perspective, you are searching high and low to get your franchise guy. Now, you want to tell me that you think what happened with Brock Purdy last year was smoke and mirrors? That's a different conversation. But for right now, San Francisco got their guy. I don't care how they how they did it; they got their guy. If DTR ended up being the world's greatest quarterback, because for whatever reason, Kevin Stefanski and Dorian Thompson Robinson just worked. And seven games into the Deshaun Watson situation, we had to cut bait because DTR was a better option because he ended up just winning a bunch of games. What Browns fan is actually sad about that? Now, yeah, a couple of things could be true in that scenario, right? Like, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson would be considered one of the worst trades in NFL history. Six total picks, three first rounders, two hundred thirty million dollars in guaranteed money. It would go down as one of the worst trades in NFL history, but you and I wouldn't care. Why would we care? We got our guy in DTR. Now, if you're just if you're just getting in the car and you're like, well, Jonathan's on Quaaludes or something. He's he's just he's. What a madman is going on here. I'm I'm doing this all in relation to the 49ers sending their former number 3 overall pick Trey Lance to the Cowboys for a mid-round selection and I'm justifying it for San Francisco. And San Francisco 49ers fans, all they see, they don't they don't care that they whiffed on Trey Lance. Why should they care about that? The only thing they truly should care about is the idea that they got their guy in a sport that was And is consumed by getting a quarterback that wins. Brock Purdy went undefeated in the regular season last year. Marched him down to the NFC title game. That's all you really need to know in this discussion. And so I'm relating it to what would happen if Dorian Thompson-Robinson stepped in for Deshaun Watson. Browns fans would not be upset in the slightest. You know what would happen? We would just throw out the Watson jerseys, buy Thompson-Robinson jerseys, which... Oh, that's a lengthy back of the jersey, isn't it? Thompson-Robinson, that one goes all the way around, doesn't it? That's annoying. No stitch uh, fixing that one. Like, you buy that jersey, that's the only one you get. But ultimately, no Browns fan should or would care. We got our guy. So you could say Trey Lance was an absolute disaster of a pick at number three overall. Maybe that's true. Fine. I don't think 49ers fans should care in the slightest bit, though. If I'm a 49ers fan, I don't at all. Now, there is the other part of this. And the idea that Trey Lance was only given a short amount of time to even show that he could play the position. And that's where I think if I'm Trey Lance, I'm a little upset at how this has all gone down. Trey Lance legitimately got to play, start four games, four games over two years. One of them was a monsoon against the Bears. Remember that game? It was like a slip and slide out on the field. It was ridiculous. He got to play four games, across, start four games across two years, never truly show whether or not he was good or bad. And I think if I'm Trey Lance, I'm agitated about how that part of my career went down. Not only to mention the fact that now I'm going to the Dallas Cowboys, where only, I mean, just I'm basically I'm, I'm injury insurance for Dak Prescott. A quarterback that a couple years ago did get injured and had had his season fall short, obviously. Uh, A quarterback that throws a million interceptions, turns the ball over way more than I think Dallas fans would like, but is not going anywhere. Like They complain about Dak in Dallas. They think he turns the ball over too much. He's not going anywhere, though. So if I'm Trey Lance, I'm trying to figure out how I would get more starting opportunities, how I would get more chances to showcase what I could do for sure. But it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. So a third overall pick is legitimately just going to be casted off. We haven't seen that too many times, really. We haven't seen that too many times. You know, Josh Rosen, Josh Rosen, I think started like 13 total games. You know, Johnny Manziel, when it was all said and done, I think Johnny only started like eight games or something. It was just, it was just way too obvious, and everybody knew what happened there. It was one of the one of the rare instances, though. Most guys end up getting at least a season or two to try to figure it out. Tim Couch got, like, 55 games or whatever it was when it was all said and done. Most guys get at least a couple seasons when you're taken in the first five picks to try to figure it out, or at least early in the first round to try to figure it all out. Trey Lance was never given that opportunity. Completely different story, though, than most people. You know, D2, didn't play much in college, didn't really play much in high school, had the injury in the pros, on and on the list goes. But ultimately, if I'm San Francisco... All you're going to see is people dunking on them today and tonight because they're waving the white flag on what Trey Lance could be. Don't dunk on him. They got their quarterback. They got Brock Purdy. That's the whole name of the game. Get your quarterback. Doesn't matter how it happens. Doesn't matter how you do it. They've got a young, cost-controlled quarterback in a system that has so many good weapons and a defense that is legitimately top 10 in the sport might by season's end because they're always really, really talented, might be a top five defense if they stay healthy enough, I, they're going to get the last laugh. San Francisco in the NFC title game is not like a long shot. They were just there last year. They're probably the odds-on favorite to either not only make it out of the NFC, but of course make it back to the NFC title game. It's them and the Eagles right now. You can throw the Cowboys in the mix. Depending what you think of the Lions, who didn't even make the postseason last year, maybe they're in that list as well for you. But ultimately, they got the last laugh. This is what they wanted. They rid themselves of Trey Lance. They put that one in the rearview mirror. Time marches on. Not a bad move at all in the slightest bit for the 49ers. I'll wait and see. I'll keep you guys posted on what the actual compensation ends up being. Uh, Thomas, by the way, on Twitter says, uh, he likes the happy anniversary intro that you made, James. He thought it was creative. Just want just to let you know that uh, Thomas thought it was creative. Thank you, Thomas. And yes. uh, just a correction on you. That was uh, not we about DeMarcus Ware. That was you, sir. Uh, don't lump me in with that just in case he's still listening. Oh, I got- yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, DeMarcus Ware is on the Odyssey app, and I know he's, a, he's an avid listener of Overtime with Jonathan Peterwin. So you are correct in making that. Uh, you're right. You're right. That was, that was 100% me. And uh, you, yeah, you, had no, you had no part of that. Zero part sure sure thank you for that correction sir journalism sure we want to be accurate here <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know what broadcasting school taught you that we do journalism around here but that's not what we do around here it is not journalism is like you want to cover wars that's doing journalism we talk in the the, the, the toy department of society that's not we we don't do journalism we don't i i have my journalism hat on sometimes because i that's a tool in the bag i got With my uh, lovely communications degree at the renowned Lindenwood University in St. Charles, Missouri. it's Part of what I got in my bag. But, uh, no, there's no journalism going on here. Journalism, anytime I think of journalism, I think of, like, hard-hitting, really intense, like, Watergate-type stories. I'm breaking down Trey Lance and why the 49ers should not be ridiculed on Twitter tonight. That's what I'm doing. It's not journalism. All right. Anyway. I'm going to be talking about Trey Lance tomorrow. CBS Sports Radio, you want to listen? 5 to 10 tomorrow night. That was like a warm up, okay? That was a warm I, w- I was testing that one out. And to be honest with you, the Deshaun Watson DTR connection, top of the dome, absolutely loved it. We're bringing that one back tomorrow. You will hear that tomorrow at some point if you tune in. 5 to 10 tomorrow, Trey Lance at the Cowboys. Now let's get back to the Brownies here. 216 0092. What do you need to see from Deshaun Watson tomorrow? And. Maybe I'm just tired of preseason football, but I find it pretty funny that on the eve of the day where we are going to see more than we've seen from Deshaun Watson since that game against Pittsburgh in week 18, I'm just reading the room. I don't get the sense that you guys are going over the moon for this preseason game. And I don't know, maybe it's having the extra game because we had the one with the Hall of Fame game that DeMarcus Ware completely, uh, we don't got to go down that road again, I guess. We don't have to go. I'm not going to make DeMarcus Ware my punching bag. He is a Hall of Famer, okay? He's a Hall of Famer. He's just not a very good singer, but I'm not either, so it's okay. But we had that extra game, and I wonder if people are just a little fatigued. Or are you like me where you've seen enough? You've seen enough from Deshaun Watson where you know he's going to be good. He's answered everything I wanted answered. Yeah, sure. He only had one drive. I get it. He looked calm. He wasn't seeing ghosts. He looked like he was in control. I know he didn't have a passing completion longer than six yards in that game. In fact, it went six yards, five yards, and one yard for his three completions, okay? It was not pretty when it comes to a 25-yard deep ball or anything close to what you saw with Kenny Pickett last night where Kenny Pickett threw it 45 yards to Pickens down the sideline. It's good enough for me. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. He looked like the Deshaun Watson of old. What do you need to see from Deshaun Watson tomorrow? We'll also get into the Steelers side of things as well as Mike Tomlin makes a declaration. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. It's overtime with Jonathan Pit on here with you on the fan. All right, so it does look like a fourth rounder. Trey Lance to the Cowboys for a fourth rounder, which I mean, honestly. So the fifth rounder, (laughs) oh man, think about that for a second. So a fifth rounder was yesterday for Josh Dobbs. A fourth rounder today for the third overall pick that started in four games in Trey Lance. That's unreal. Unreal. And yeah, no, I really do believe they got their guy. Brock Purdy is their guy. Don't care how you get it, just as long as you get it. Brock Purdy's their guy. San Francisco just has to keep looking forward and not worry about what happened in the past. Now, and to be honest, they don't have the time to try to figure out if Trey Lance can be good coming off the surgeries anyway. They they just don't. I, they they barely have enough time to figure out if Brock Purdy can recover correctly. They gotta they gotta keep this thing moving. And and Shanahan, one one thing I like about him is that he's just able to get this done with just about anybody. He made Jimmy Garoppolo into a guy that went to uh you know two NFC title games including a Super Bowl in 3 seasons and was awesome. This is what he does. He's very good with these type of quarterbacks. They found a guy in, in Brock Purdy that he just continued to win with. And you want to tell me that team is made up of more than Brock Purdy? The best response back to that would be look at what happened in the NFC title game when Trey Lance, or excuse me when Brock Purdy got injured. He gets injured and goes down and I know they didn't have any backup quarterbacks in order to try to make it work, but he gets injured and goes down. That was it. Game over. Blouses. Like, Brock Purdy, you might not like and respect him because he was Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick in the draft, but Brock Purdy played way better than that, and Brock Purdy was really good last year. It's what Shanahan does. He can turn any, any quarterback, it feels like, into a diamond. And with Trey Lance, they didn't have the time. Coming back off another surgery, didn't play a lot of time in college, didn't play a lot of time in high school. Really, when you look back on his career, it's shocking that he went third overall with the limited amount of opportunities that he actually was able to play in his life, but hey, they took a chance on it, didn't work, move forward. 49ers fans should not be upset in the slightest. You got your quarterback, he's young, he's cost-controlled, it's a decent move all the way around, but it is incredible. Like somewhere Josh Jobs is is waking up in Arizona, and he's like, I was worth a fifth round? And the dude that was taken third overall a couple years ago was worth a, a fourth round? All right. Good value for the Dobbs household today. Good value. There's going to be a buddy or a text thread that Joshua Dobbs lives in where his friends are just like, yeah, not bad. Not bad. Fifth round, fourth round, not bad. alright to below 216-474-0092 on Twitter. There you can find me. I am at J Peterlin. What do you need to see from Deshaun Watson tomorrow? That's the question. That's what I want to ask for you guys because I, there's not much I truly need to see out of Deshaun Watson. We've heard him be more confident, which is good. As preseason has moved on, he's gone from being timid to talking like someone that belongs in a top-five quarterback conversation. And, And maybe he's just delusional, but I don't believe that. He knows better than anyone what he looks like at his very best, and now he's speaking like he's gotten back there. It's hard to gauge in the preseason and training camp, especially in a preseason where he's completed three passes, but clearly he feels like he's back to normal. I just love the fact that we're going to see him for potentially 25 passes tomorrow, 25 or so. And I I'm kind of blown away by the fact that as we continue to talk about it and and we'll get more and more and deeper into this game and get you guys all ready to go for tomorrow. I do feel like maybe it's the extra game. I, I don't know what it is. I feel like there's exhaustion within the fan base though. I don't know what you guys should be looking at tomorrow. Like this is what we did. This is the penance we had to pay all throughout preseason in order to get. Tomorrow is, that's Christmas Day. You unwrap the presents. You get to find out what you got. It's not week one, but it's as close to week one as you're going to find. Tomorrow should be an awesome day for Browns football. I'm expecting so many good things from Deshaun Watson. I'm expecting the offense to look good. I'm expecting Deshaun to look good. I mean, there's all sorts of things. Now, am I expecting him to go out there and, I don't know, look like Kenny Pickett has? With the Steelers, five drives for five touchdowns? Uh, Maybe not. I don't need to see that, though, either. If he ends up struggling, if he doesn't look particularly great, that's all right. It's okay. I'm not going to make that some sort of indictment on Deshaun Watson. That's not what I'm doing. But I'd love nothing more than to see him throw the ball 40 yards downfield and connect with every receiver we want to see and then, you know, de-pants the Chiefs' defense. I just don't need to see it to be satisfied. Not going to end the game with that Howard Dean scream. We're taking it to week one. That's not what I want to do. I'm ready for the season to start and I'm ready to put the Deshaun convos to bed when it comes to everyone trying to figure out what version he's going to be. I do believe in the idea that watching someone struggle in the preseason can mean something. I've watched too much football to see that the good stuff in the preseason doesn't mean much, but typically the stuff that worries you in the preseason worries you in the long term and rears its ugly head in the regular season as well. You almost get no credit for looking good and can only get negatives for looking bad. It's like making a toast at a wedding. You guys know I did that over the last weekend, right? You make a good toast, it's kind of expected. You put in the time, you did the thing, but if you suck, people will talk about it for a long time. If I blew that toast, family members for years would be like, "Yeah, mm, you say you're a broadcaster. I don't know that you actually are, though. You you say you do I'm like it's two different things: public speaking and doing what I'm doing for you guys right now on the radio. Two different things in my book." But they'd be like, "Oh, I don't. He says he's a public speaker. I I I don't know. Uh, mm, I want to look into a different career because you couldn't hit two minutes of a toast. But luckily for me, I think we did an all right job, but well, it's a thankless job. But yeah." Preseason football is the same way. If you look bad, then I think it's very noticeable. And if you look good, unless you're Dorian Thompson Robinson, where it came completely out of left field, no one's paying attention. No one's noticing. From from a fan perspective and from a coaching perspective, even, they're like, all right, it matters that you look good. It does, but it's not. You're expected to do good. Now, for a lot of these guys, that's why people lost their minds against Kenny Pickett last night, and we'll get to more of the Steelers coming up in a little bit. But people lost their minds with Kenny Pickett last night, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself: the dude spent 12 years in—he's Van Wilder in college, okay? He spent a million years in college, and by the end of the the, his final year, he put together one really good season against a bunch of guys. Say, all right, you got one. Shouldn't he beat? Preseason players up that are backups and third stringers up as well? If he took down the college football world the way that a lot of people think that that he did, well, shouldn't that be easy? Hasn't he kind of been there, done that, and got the t-shirt? Is there that big of a difference between the third string for the Atlanta Falcons and what he would see playing at Pitt on a weekly basis? I'm sure there is, but it's not that large. I always looked at preseason football games kind of like a college all-star game, but still. Okay. Question I have for you 216474 to below 92. Are you down on the Browns versus where they were in the beginning part of the preseason? The problems we had last year are the problems that we have right now. But I'm willing to give the Browns a break there since they couldn't fix everything in one offseason. They had too many fires that they needed to put out, they couldn't possibly take care of all of them. So we have some leftover problems. Feels like when you buy a house and there are some issues that pop up. You know, one piece of advice someone told me when buying a house was that there're always going to be something that needs work. It's a never-ending cycle of things constantly needing upkeep or replacement or something to be done. It's how a football team works too. But I'm happier that the problems seem to be the small things like fixing a sprinkler and not a flooded basement. Kickers matter. I'm not trying to belittle that. Having it be a kicker problem, not the worst thing in the world. I'll take a kicker issue over a whole defensive line looking like Mr. Magoo against the run. Backup running backs turned into Barry Sanders against the Browns last year. We couldn't have that again. But if you thought they were going to be good in June, I don't know how you can be that far off of that right now. Especially since 85% of the fan base walks around saying all that matters is what happens with Deshaun. Well, by that logic then 85% of the fan base should be acting like you haven't seen them do anything since he's barely played. One drive is your preseason at this point. Cade York missed kicks, water's wet, the sky is blue. He missed them last year as well. I don't know how you can be anywhere but high on what the Browns currently are. Because you have the same issues you had last season. They've tried to address some of them. And they have addressed some of them, but they've gone one step at a time. And slowly but surely, they made a lot of fixes. You were to ask me last year, would I rather have the defensive line fixed with that run game? Or would I rather have Justin Tucker out there kicking? I'm going to say I'd rather have the defensive line and the run game fixed. We were getting gashed. I mean, Arthur Smith. I became a fan of Arthur Smith. The dude looks like a, a random character and clue. I, he's not, it's not a very serious human being. It's amazing he's a head football coach, right? I became a fan of his because he realized the Browns did not have anyone to stop the run. Zero people to stop the run. He ran the ball 14 straight times with like third string running backs. Guys you hadn't heard of off the practice squad came up and just ran all over us. Guys you wouldn't know right now if they were a passenger in your car was just gashing the Browns last year because we didn't have a run defense. We had no way to stop the run. So the Browns couldn't fix it all in one season. That's not how this works. You knew there were going to be some problems that continue to pop up. They had to pick their spots. I'm much happier that they picked the defensive line and the run game to fix and were willing to roll the dice with someone like Kay York who we'll talk about a little bit later on. Much happier with that scenario and how that played out. New York's not perfect. No team in the NFL is perfect. The Buffalo Bills in the previous couple years have threatened to try to be that level of perfect. Top three in offense and defensive scoring in the previous two years. Game's too hard. In the postseason, they fall flat on their face. Postseason, all of a sudden, Stephon Diggs wants to yell at Josh Allen down 17 in the fourth quarter with six minutes left in the game. They want to throw a pity party for themselves late in the fourth quarter. That's where they're at. They won thirteen games last year. No one cares. It's a good team. No one cares. I find it fascinating though. But yeah, for tomorrow, I'm good. I've seen Deshaun Watson. I've seen him be really good. I think his head is right. I think he's he's got the right situation right now. I think he looks good. I think him and Stefanski are going to jail. I'm not worried about that part of the the, the Browns. I'm not. A lot of people are worried about it. I'm just not. I think that part will be fine. I'm more concerned about the other parts of the Browns, and I'm more concerned about what happens if Deshaun Watson is as good as we think he can be, but what you're understanding then is with, with how many good teams there are in the AFC, you're going to need other parts of the team to take you over the top. On a week-in, week-out basis, you're going to need more than just Deshaun Watson in order to get the job done. And that's not typically how the NFL works. I right, leave that there, but come on back. When it comes to the Steelers, though, after Kenny Pickett was great, I'll tell you a reason why I'm just not scared. Just not scared. We'll do that and more next. It's overtime with Jonathan Beetle.